Let us pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for the opportunity which is ours of coming together. Lord, as we share this morning about the Gideon ministry, I pray, Lord, that you would get all the praise because it's your Holy Spirit that works in the lives of men and women. We thank you for your word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and able to pierce the heart and bring us to our knees. We just thank you and praise you for what you're going to do this morning as I share testimony after testimony of your spirit at work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've got one question. There's two waters up here. I think one is for anointing somebody, and the other is to quench my thirst. That's the one for the thirst. I am here this morning representing the Gideons International uh, as a member uh, Gideon of the Hornell camp. <clears throat> and I consider it a real privilege to be able to come to share with you what it is that we hear month after month about how God is working in the lives of people, not only here in the United States, but all over the United, all over the world. I just want to uh, thank Pastor Prince and, and the elders for the opportunity to come and give you a report, and uh, I consider it a real privilege. You know, we live in exciting times. There are more opportunities than ever before for sharing the good news. We know where our grandson is. That's a, a testimony that's been given in one of our monthly magazines. And I'd like to share that testimony with you. We would like to thank you for your, what you are doing, providing God's word to people here and around the world. My grandson, Daniel Stone, was 25 years old with a wife and two young sons when he was killed in a car accident on November 26, 2009. We miss him so much. A few years earlier, he was in jail for a traffic violation and neglecting to follow through on his community service. He met the Lord in the jail using a Gideon Bible and grew spiritually through prison ministry with Gideons. I know where my grandson is because he shared back then how he read through the books of John and Romans. I heard in his voice excitement over attending church services and about the knowledge he had received. His life had started a new chapter, and I knew it. God bless you all for your work you do for our Lord and for his children everywhere. I love the Lord, and when he gives me this kind of discernment and peace, I know he loves me too. Praise the Lord and thank you. And that is written by Virginia and John Dahl in Wingo, Kentucky. Lost their grandson, but he's with the Lord. We as Gideons have the privilege of giving out the most powerful book in the world. This book changed lives, not only just for the moment, but for eternity. You see, the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discernment of the thoughts and intense of the heart. I'd like to share another testimony from this same magazine, which is the April 2011 issue. And it's entitled, Testament Left Behind Brings Tormentor to Christ. I was a medic for the first Calvary in the central highland of Vietnam. 
I had been there eight months when we were engaged in a firefight. I was on the perimeter taking care of the injured of an injured comrade when the enemy came up behind us and we were captured. When I went to Vietnam, I carried a small Gideon Testament, probably something like this. I had written my name and my parents' address. When we were captured, I hid the testament and was able to sneak it into confinement with me. I was a prisoner of war for four years, during which I was beaten and sometimes put in solitary confinement. Some of the guards were more hostile to us than others. Three of us were able to escape, and we left everything behind, including my New Testament. After living off the land for three weeks, we stumbled onto our own troops and were finally safe. I live in Florida now, and about two years ago, I received a call from my parents telling me I had received a letter from Vietnam that had been sent to their address. To my great surprise, it was one from one of the guards who had tortured me during my confinement. He had found my testament and kept it. After the war, he escaped to Thailand, and as a result of reading my testament, he had accepted Jesus as his personal Savior. Now he was a minister to the, now he was a minister to the Vietnamese people in southern Florida. He stated that he was coming to Miami and wanted to make contact with me. I wrote back and gave him my telephone number. When he and his wife arrived in Florida, they called me and we agreed to meet. When they arrived, my former tormentor immediately fell to his knees in front of me and asked for forgiveness. I told him I would have to work on that, and he understood. He invited me to come and tell my story to his congregation. I agreed to do so. But one week before I was scheduled to speak in his church, Hurricane Andrew struck the Miami area. During the hurricane, he had gone out to make sure the members of his congregation were safe, and he was killed. His wife pleaded with me to come down and speak at our church, at their church, and because that had been her husband's wish, so I, from my former empty, my former empty's uh, enemy's pulpit, I'm sorry, from my former enemy's pulpit, I was able to forgive him, and his wife presented me with a little Gideon New Testament that I had left behind when I escaped Vietnam. My experience shows how powerful God's word is and what it can do. It comforted me and gave me strength during my confinement. It then touched the life of a man who had been extremely brutal but was changed by God's love and his gentle hand. I'm telling you, we don't begin to understand the power of God's love. It can change human beings that are wretched people into angels. As Gideon's way of the opportunity to place Bibles in motels, we have about four different colors that we have for the motels, and it's a full Bible. And in the front of every Gideon Testament or Bible, there are helps in need, time of need. For instance, if you're lonely, if you if you're, um, need guidance in time of a decision or in protection in the time of danger. And then there's uh, readings that you can read. There's also spiritual standards that are listed and the scriptures are given and they can look it up in the page number. Dynamic doctrines and practical precepts. And what the Bible says about itself and God and man, and what the Bible says about Christ and his work, what the Bible says about faith and life. And it's written, some of these are written in, in not only English, but also in Finnish, French, German, Hindi, Hebrew, Icelandic, Italian, Japanese, and Greek, Korean, Malay, Norwegian, Portuguese, Russian. Oh, gosh, that one I can't even pronounce. Uh, Spanish, Swedish, Vietnamese, 
and then who the Gideons are. We also have the opportunity to place uh, Bibles in in, uh, hospitals. This one is just the New Testament and Psalms, and it's in big print for those that have bad eyesight. Also, it's lightweight, so they can hold it up, and it's not so heavy that they can't hang on to it and keep it in front of their face. We also go into schools. We have the Red Testament, which is our school testament. People say, why do you have different colored testaments? Because it helps us keep track of how many school testaments we gave out, how many hospital testaments, how many nurses' testaments. We have a testament for nurses. In in these little testaments, there's the Psalms and Proverbs along with the uh, New Testament. Also in the back... There's scripture that says God loves you, all are sinners, God's remedy for sin, all may be saved now, and my decision to receive Christ as my Savior, and the name to put your name in and the date, and the assurance of a, as a believer. I want to just take a moment and share with you, in 1948, I received this testament at the Alfred Elman Central School. At that time, and you may know some of these names, Ed Crandall was a Gideon, and he was there. Howard Benning from Arkport was a Gideon, and he was there. And he was, they were passing out these New Testaments. Now, 1948, how old do you think I was? I was 10 years old. Well, Prittner, Prittner 11. I did not accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, but I just want to share with you a few scriptures that spoke to my heart at that time. And one of them is Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That was one that stuck out and I, I appreciated. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. One other one, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And this one kind of really stuck with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That Bible didn't bring me to my knees that time but it caused me to start thinking. And January of 1975, the first week in January of 1975, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now it's a long time. 48 to 75. 1975. But you know, it just shows that God doesn't give up. God, if you don't even carry this Bible with you, He brings other Bibles, He brings other things, He brings people into your life that causes you to wonder what your situation is. If I died, was I going to go to heaven? Well, I knew it wasn't going to happen on my works. And so I was in Florida in 1975. And my family, we'd gone down to see Donna's mom and dad, and and I was up in the apartment. We were living in an apartment over the washroom in Florida. We were staying there, and I was pulled the Testament out and started reading. And um, I I had the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, and I think that it was Bob and Helen McKnight that put that in my hands 
and I was reading that book. I don't know if I've ever shared this with the two of you, but if it was you guys, I really appreciate it because I couldn't put that book down. I was on the beach. I was reading God's Word because every paragraph, Hal Lindsey had a scriptural reference. And I was reading it to make sure that he was telling me the truth. And I became convicted that I was a sinner. I went before the Lord on my knees all by myself in that apartment. And I asked the Lord to forgive me. I had no trouble understanding that I was a sinner. And you know, he came into my life and he changed me. There was nothing miraculous that happened, but all of a sudden I had a hunger for God's word, which was a miracle. Because there's so many other things that can take and occupy our minds. And we search out different things through different means. But it was that night or that day that I accepted Jesus Christ. And I can't nail it down to what day the first week of of, uh, 75 it was. But I want to tell you, my life changed. And it's been my pleasure to be a member of the Gideons. We have uh, a couple different Bibles for military induction centers. And this is the new one. This is a camouflage Bible. But we have also another Bible, which is a dark green Bible. Uh, that we also give out. We have a nurse's testament, which I told you about before, for for nurses or anybody that works in the hospital that would like a testament. All they've got to do is let me know or anybody else that's a Gideon know, and we will get them testaments. We we pay all the administrative costs of uh, the Gideon organization. So if you give money to the Gideons, 100% of your money is given is being used to buy Bibles to send overseas. After a long, unusually different summer and fall, many of us can see signs of people wondering what is going on. The flooding, severe winds, and more flooding. Unbelievable different types of weather that we've been dealing with. You know, in Psalm 19, 1, it states that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So what is a declaration? Basically, a declaration is telling or professing to others an important truth or fact. For example, nations declared independence or even war on other nations. People declare their ownership over an object or especially their commitment to a cause. I remember especially declaring my love for my girlfriend and then my wife on our wedding day, December 20th, 1958. Before witnesses, I declared that I loved this woman and I would love her till I died. And I did that before God. And he has blessed me with a wife and a family that I just cannot, I just can't begin to tell you what a blessing it is. We have grandchildren that have all, 10 of them, have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Many of them have gone to Word of Life, which has changed their life. We have one that's teaching in a Christian school. And that's Lindsay. And Lindsay's greatest desire was to be able to lead somebody to the Lord the first year in teaching. Her first week in teaching, a little girl came up to her and said, Mrs. Palmer, 
could you go out in the hall with me? And Lindsay said, yes. And she says, you know, I've been a religious person all my life, but I've never accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Lindsay said, would you like to know how to do that? And she said, yes, I would. Palmer. I have a hard time. I want to say Baker. I know she's a Palmer. <laughs> I'm going to get it if I keep working on it. This little girl said, Lindsay said, would you like to know how you can have eternal life and be guaranteed? And this little girl said, yes, I would. And she prayed the prayer. Now, Lindsay just is rejoicing because she thought sometime during her first year of teaching and the Lord, isn't that just like him? He made the opportunity available the first week she taught. We had the opportunity to go to, to um, see Brett and Bryce on our way back from Virginia this last week, and, and we went to the church, and I don't even know the name of the church other than it was a great big building with an awful lot of people in it, and all those people were, were students. We got there half an hour early, and so we became the greeters. We were standing there in front of the door, and we were greeting people, and one girl came up and said to Donna, she said, are you, going to be coming? are you coming to this church? And she said, well, I'm here because our grandsons are here. And she said, oh, we could use some people your age. (laughs) I don't know what that meant. I don't think she asked for any more explanation than that. But I am telling you, as I stood there and standing next to Brett and Bryce and seeing over 400 students praising God, they had a combo like we have up here, and they were singing to their heart's content about how good the Lord was and how good the Lord is and what he has planned for for all that want to accept Jesus Christ. And, you know, as I stood there, tears started coming down in my eyes because many times I get worried about the direction our world is heading in. And and I think, well, jeepers, creepers, you know, how long can I stick around and be working on this? But it gave me great pleasure to see over 400 young people praising God and then discussing about a, uh, uh, a thing that they had going and where they were going to be helping people close up their houses and mow their lawns and, and get, the, get the house ready for winter. And they were volunteering. And the problem is they didn't have enough jobs, didn't have enough people that needed help because they had so many young people that signed up to do that. When I saw that, I thought to myself, well, this world's in good hands. There are young people coming up that are going to be capable of carrying on what needs to be done as a Christian witness. You know, I've watched a lot of young people in in this congregation go to Word of Life. And if I had to do over again, I would have had all my kids go to one year at least of Word of Life. I see such a change in young people that have been to Word of Life. And Ryan's up there now, and Tyler's thinking of going. Maybe not up there, but they have a, also have a ministry in Florida. He kind of thought that sounded good. That's, that's good. Wherever you're doing it, you know, wherever you are, you're giving to the Lord. I'd like to share with an, another testimony from uh, the magazine here. Let's see, I've got to make sure i got the right one. Yep. It's called a Gideon Example of Personal Witnessing. At a Saturday morning prayer meeting, a Rensselaer camp Gideon shared his church's prayer concern. A lady in his church was in the hospital and had been given only two weeks to live. At the end of the prayer time, another Gideon asked if she knew the Lord. 
There didn't seem to be a clear answer to that, so a third Gideon became burdened and decided to visit her. The following Wednesday, he went to her assigned room in the hospice and viewed a frail 57-year-old lady propped up with pillows and silhouetted against the light coming in through the window. Passing in the doorway, the Gideon waited for her to notice him. In a soft but firm voice, she finally asked, What can I do for you? The Gideon replied by giving his name and telling her that he had been praying for her and that since he had been praying for her, he wanted to meet her. When she asked him why he would want to do that, he shared with her that he too had a serious illness and he had some idea of how she felt. In response to this, she invited him in and asked him what he wanted to know about her. The Gideon smiled and asked, I don't want to ask you how you are feeling, but what you are feeling. She paused, looked at the Gideon, and then began to tell him what she'd been thinking about. She'd been thinking about life and death and her feelings about not being able to do what she wanted to do. She had lowered her defenses, and soon they shared many thoughts and feelings with each other. They talked for nearly an hour, and then she said, You have a peace about you and a joy, don't you? Why is that? That gave the Gideon the opening he wanted, and he began to share his testimony of Christ and his life. And at one point, he took out his personal worker's testament, which was similar to this. And he began to share God's plan for her life. Many questions were asked and many scriptures were read. She was clearly responding to God's love. His offer of forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus. Finally, the Gideon asked her, what she thought of God's plan, and if she felt she would like to respond to God's offer. She eagerly said, oh, yes. And then she prayed the sinner's prayer and became a new creature in Christ Jesus. With tears gently rolling down her cheeks, she looked up and said, it's going to be all right. I'm going to be with Jesus. After a short time of rejoicing and prayer, the Gideon left, praising God that he had brought all this to pass. To God be the glory. Less than 48 hours later, she went into the presence of her Lord and Savior. Gideons are indeed men who witness what a blessing it is to be a part of such a ministry of winning others to Christ. And that's sub submitted by, by, by a man by the name of Bob Miner, and he's what we call Zone 9 trustee. And Bob we, has been down here to Hornell to our meetings, and he's a, he's a beautiful man. Gideons are Christian or born-again believers, professional men in over 190 different countries. And if any of you are interested in attending a camp meeting, I would love to invite you to go with me or meet, meet me there and... Uh, and you could see firsthand what, what we do. Auxiliary are wives of Gideons, and their motto is auxiliary on their knees to keep the Gideons on their feet. We have a jail ministry, and over we go over to Bath. Uh, we generally split the, the times over there with the Bath camp. And I'd like to read a testimony of bringing God's word to the least of these. And this was in the September 2010 issue of the Gideon Magazine. 
Straight Ahead Ministries in Massachusetts meets the spiritual needs of inmates in the juvenile detention system, taking the place of chaplains and providing spiritual food for hundreds of incarcerated boys and girls in over 80% of the juvenile lockup facilities across the state. According to Don Mesher, a missionary with Straight Ahead, there are still a handful of facilities that have no gospel representation at all. So he was thrilled to come into contact with the Gideons recently. He coordinated a distribution at let's see, distribution at one of the lockup facilities in northeastern Massachusetts where the gospel is not proclaimed. And two Gideons distributed an entire box of scriptures and shared the good news of Jesus Christ with incarcerated teens and staff. Each, each person listened attentively to the gospel presentation, and one boy asked if the Gideons would be returning the following week to do another Bible study. In a letter to International Headquarters, Dan shared, On behalf of Straight Ahead Ministries, I thank you for your ministry to countless numbers of individuals through Bible distributions in hotels, schools, and other institutions. Thank you for your ministry to the least of these who so desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks to the Gideons, these young people now have their own copies of God's word, which convicts of sin and leads men to the Savior, and eventually worketh in those that believe. And that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. How can you help? Well, you can pray. We would covet your prayers. We try to get into schools, and many of the schools in this area don't let us in. So we go with an Orange Testament, which is our sidewalk distribution, and we stand off the property of the school and distribute the the Orange Testament, which is the same as the Red Testament, and uh, to those students as they're boarding the buses or walking home. So we could use your prayers in some of the schools because it used to be when I first became a Gideon that most of the schools would let us in. It's not true today. Qualified men, join. Um, we need more people that are willing to be praying and be working the ministry. I'd like to share with you about our Living Memorial Bible uh, cards that we have. We Gideons, we buy these cards and we place them. There's a rack just beyond where you go into the south wing. And we have cards like this, thinking of you. And this one here is thinking of you in the name of that person. How many Gideon Bibles were placed in, in uh, remembering this individual? And we have an in-memory card. We pay for the cost of the cards and the envelopes. This is another in-memory card. In recognition, another rec in recognition, another in memory. And we have an envelope in each one of them that you can mail the check to the Gideons and you put down who it was in memory of and uh, your name. And so we can send a thank you note out stating, uh, thanking you for the money that you contributed to the Gideons. Thinking of you, another one. Um, in honor somebody that's graduated from college or graduated from high school, you can, you can give testaments in honor of that individual. And like I said, 
we can send the, the uh, card to, to the individual or you can do it yourself. Also, we have a free will offering. Uh, there's an offering box or a basket out by the south exit, and there's one by the main exit. All the money that you give will be used to purchase scriptures, and we will pay for the cost of getting them shipped and, and to the people that need them. Does it really pay dividends? Well, it sure does. I'd like to share one more testimony, and this came in the recent magazine, October of 2011, and it's entitled, God Met Me in the Park. Both my mother and father were alcoholics. My sister was suicidal, and my brother died from a crippling disease at a very early age. At the age of 13, I witnessed the stabbing death of my father. It was these traumatic experiences that caused me to harden my heart against the world. I got involved with drugs, alcohol, and prostitution. And yet I knew there, were some, there was something missing in my life. I just didn't know what it was. An aunt would come by my house and take me to church with her, but I went reluctantly. I soon began stealing money from the collection plate to support my drug habit. And when I got caught, I didn't have any more use for that church. Back out on the streets of Philadelphia, I got more involved with all the destructive vices. But that emptiness was still there. I decided that joining the military might be the answer and enlisted in the U.S. Army. However, having gone AWOL twice within eight weeks, I ended up a military reject. By the age of 30, I was on my third marriage, still searching for something to fill the emptiness in my life. My third wife had come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and she would tell me how Jesus could change my life. But I told her that nobody could change me. She began holding a Bible study in our home, but I did not like the idea of Christians coming over, so I would call my friends determined to ruin or to run those Christians out of my house. After a period of time, my wife said, I can't live like this anymore. And she packed up all of her things and moved back to Illinois. The next day, I got up early and began my usual drug routine, then went for a walk in the county park. I sat down on a park bench and began reviewing my life and thinking about all the things people had said about me, like, you are useless, you are no good, and you'll never amount to anything. As those thoughts continued to run through my mind, I came to the conclusion that I would be better off dead. I decided then and there that I was going to go home and commit suicide. But God had other plans. In the park that day were some faithful men witnessing to the homeless and giving them little New Testaments. One of them walked up to me with a big smile on his face and said, Do you know Jesus? I said, No, and I don't want to. When he began to tell me that Jesus loved me, I said, if you knew all the things that I've done and all the people I've hurt, you'd see that nobody could love me. When I, put aside, when I pushed him aside, the Bible he had under his arm and all the testaments he was carrying fell to the ground. When I reached down to pick up the Bible, my eyes fell on the following scripture passage in Isaiah. And I read it. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. 
Those words did surgery on my soul. And I began to cry as I fell to my knees. And that man took one of the New Testaments and showed me more of God's word. That day I learned that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then the man turned to the book of Romans and showed me step by step how I could be saved. That was the day that I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart, forgive my sins, clean up my life and make me somebody. The Lord heard and answered that prayer and I was instantly healed from my dependency on drugs. When I returned home, I immediately called my wife and shared with her about my life-changing experience. She said, I can tell you there, I can tell there is something different about you because we've been talking for 45 minutes and you have not used one curse word. The Lord had even taught me how to speak proper English. I can share my testimony today as a result of one little testament in the hands of one person asking the question, do you know Jesus? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? And that is written by a man by the name of Leroy Kennedy. There's a picture of him here in the, in the article. One man whose heart was hard, but God could soften. You know, it's the thing that just really has spoken to me since I've been a Christian, is the people that God chooses to soften their heart. It just amazes me to see those people that I probably never would share with because I didn't think they were interested at all. I could, I could recite a number of people that started going to this church that became saved because of God's Word. It's always God's Word. It's not what I say. It's not what you say. It's what God's Word says, and it speaks to the hearts of people. They come to a saving knowledge of Christ because God convicts their heart. And I'll tell you, for a dollar, a testament. For five dollars, the whole Bible. Like I said earlier, we're going to be receiving a free will offering at the end of the service. And I want to guarantee you that 100% of the money will be used to buy Bibles. We're in 109 different countries. I think it's 120, I'm sorry thought I had that written down and we are anxious to put Bibles in their paths of, the, of these people we're going to get done early today maybe we can sing some more but before you do I would like to sing the song people need the Lord As I sing this song, I'd like to have you be thinking of somebody that you know that might like to have a Bible. And I'd like to have you make a commitment before the Lord, just between you and the Lord, that you'd like to give him or her that Bible. Because people need the Lord.
every day you walk my way. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care. Headed who knows where. And they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. broken dreams he's the open door people need the Lord people need the Lord when will we take his light to a world where wrong is right what could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost through his love our hearts can feel all the grief they bear. They must hear the words of life only we can share. People need
people need the Lord.